Come on, God is good. Happy Father's Day. Turn to your neighbor and say Happy Father's Day, even if you're not a father. Happy Father's Day from the Father to you. Okay, I have some exciting for you guys. Like you just watched that link there. So what we want you to do is not just uh, be a consumer, but we want you to partake and be involved because God's going to do a mighty work and we're excited to be involved as the promised church, yeah? So what I want you guys to do, if you would like to be part of our event, whether it be a prayer team, whether it be uh, giving out food, uh, loving people, sharing the gospel, there's many, other er- there's many areas you can be involved. If you want to be involved in one area, all you've got to do, thank the Lord for technology, All you have to do is lift up your phone to this barcode and scan it. And you are part of the team. As easy as that. Isn't that amazing? Imagine if somebody had said that to you 20 years ago. It would be like tomorrow's world kind of stuff, yeah? It would be impossible. So there you go. All you've got to do is lift up your phone, scan that, and then you can pick an area of where you would like to volunteer. That can be any area. You can just put all of the above or, or I'll, be, I'll wait for somebody to delegate to me and we'll be kind. So whatever you want to do. yeah. But we'd love you guys to be involved and I believe God is going to do something. I know a lot of people have been praying for Longview for a long time. It is no accident that we are going there and we're going to mobilize a lot of believers to share the gospel. And we're going to invite them into a big tent where they're going to hear the gospel. They're going to get baptized. They're going to get saved, healed, delivered. That is something you don't want to miss because I believe it's going to be unique. So are we all in agreement? We'd love our family to be there. We're having some churches in Longview, Father's House, and some other churches we're partnering with us, partnering with us also. I would love it if the Promised Church really made an effort and we uh, made a stand to show that we, uh, we care about Longview. Yeah? Does that sound good? Amen. Come on. Okay, let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for your presence here. Thank you for what you're going to do this morning. Thank you for the lives that you're going to touch and hearts you're going to open. We trust you. We give you permission to have your way, Lord. Whatever it is you want to do, we just say, Jesus, do what it is you want to do. Lord, we lift up your name. We exalt you. We thank you, Father, for loving us so much that you would give your only son to rescue us. We love you. We acknowledge your love to us today. We praise you. And everybody said, amen, amen. Okay, today, the Father's love letter. Now, it's Father's Day, and you're thinking, hey, you're being very cliche, but what better excuse to celebrate the Father's love to us, huh? I mean, we could just talk about this every single week. So I want to share a little brief story with you, and then I'm going to go into uh, what I'm going to say. But I just want to get our minds on what it is the Father did. It's very easy, especially as seasoned believers. We can kind of forget, you know, well, oh, yeah, we know, you know, God sent his son and da-da-da-da-da. But we, you know, how often do we really look at it? How often do we see and look at the cost? What did it cost the Father to give his only son? How, how often do we go, really go into the detail of this? So I want us just this morning to look at that. And I think we'll have a new appreciation for the Father and for yourself and the level of uh, the depth and love that he has for you. This is a story I want to read, uh, a testimony from, somebody in so- from a father in South Africa. This is what he said. He said, I never told my children what my job was. I never wanted them to feel ashamed because of me. When my youngest daughter asked me what I did, I used to tell her hesitantly that I was a laborer. Before I went back home every day, I used to take a bath in the public toilets so they did not get any hint of the work I was doing. I wanted to send my daughters to school to educate them. I wanted them to stand in front of people with dignity. I never wanted anyone to look down upon them the way that everyone did to me. People always humiliated me. 
I invested every penny of my earnings for my daughter's education. I never bought a new shirt. Instead, I used the money for buying books for them. Respect is all I wanted them to earn for me. I was a cleaner. The day before the last date of my daughter's college admission, I could not manage to get her admission fees. I could not work that day, and I was sitting beside the rubbish trying hard to hide my tears. All my co-workers were looking for me, but no one came to speak to me. I had failed and felt heartbroken. I had no idea how to face my daughter. Who would ask me about the admission fees once I got back home? I was born poor and I believed nothing good could ever happen to a poor person. After work, all the cleaners came to me. They sat beside me and asked if I considered them as brothers. Before I could answer, they each handed me their one day's income. When I tried to refuse everyone, they continued Sorry, they confronted me by saying, we will starve today if needed. But our daughter has to go to college. I couldn't reply to them. That day I did not take a shower. I went back to my house like a cleaner. My oldest daughter is going to finish her university very soon. Three of them do not let me go to work anymore. My oldest girl has a part-time job and the other three of them do tuition. Often my oldest daughter takes me to my working place. She feeds all my co-workers along with me. They laugh and ask her why she feeds them so often. My daughter told them, all of you starved for me that day so I can become what I am today. Pray for me that I can feed you all every day. Nowadays, I don't feel like a poor man. Whoever has such children, how can he be poor? Come on, what a great story. You see, what happened in that story was an overflow of thankfulness from his kids. They weren't told to to go and feed the co-workers. They weren't told uh, to tell the, the dad that he didn't have to work anymore. But what happened was the love that was demonstrated unto his kids, their response, the overflow was, I want to do this. I'm not being told, but I want to. And I think if we can remember and if we can be conscious of what the Father did for us as his kids, then maybe, just maybe, our overflow might be of such gratitude and such deep thankfulness that we may want to do something to make him proud. We may in some small way say, Lord, I can't thank you for what you've done, whether it be a father who, who didn't uh, buy his own shirt, who, who washed himself in the public toilets. Uh, the sacrifice, it doesn't matter what the sacrifice is. The fact is there is a sacrifice. And whether it's a father doing that for his kids or whether it's the greatest sacrifice, which is a father who made you giving up his own son to die in your place, how much more should we thank our father? You see, I've called this the Father's love letter for numerous reasons, but one of the reasons is this. I believe that Jesus was a gift from the Father to you. And he was the Father's love letter. He was heaven's love letter to you. You see, when you receive a gift, uh, if it be through FedEx, I know Jeffrey used to work for FedEx, uh, and he used to drive around in his lovely van. But when Jeffrey used to go and deliver a package, Probably more often than not, uh, we knock on the front door, they knock on the front door, and they ask you for a signature. They say, will you sign to confirm that you received this? You see, the sender wants confirmation that the recipient received their gift. They want to know that it's been delivered. 
And when the Father sent Jesus on a rescue mission as the Father's love letter, he did the same thing. You see what he does, he says, uh, I'm not going to ask you to sign, but what I'm going to do, I'm going to sign to say that you received it and to show my Father that they accepted the gift that you sent me, Father, that you sent to them. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to sign it in my blood. And I'm going to sign, and every time I sign that signature, every time I sign your name in my blood, it shows my father that they've accepted the gift that you sent me with. What an honor for us. You see, God, he couldn't have made it any easier. He did it all. He did all the work. All we have to do is receive. Isn't it? It's, good. it's a good day when you get that package through, yeah? When they come, they knock on your door, sign here, you're like, Feels like Christmas. What did I get? You forget that you ordered something six months ago on Wish. And you're like, what, what did I get here? And then you receive your gift and you're excited and you embrace it. Whoever gets a gift and says, oh yeah, thanks. You know, you embrace that gift. Well, what more reason, what, what a gift to embrace that we've been given through Jesus. It's something that we can always be thankful of. In Romans 8.32, we read this. He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for all of us, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? We have a good, good God. As the song says, we have a good, good father. A good father who loves you so much. And that is good news. No matter what you're going through, no matter what climate of, uh, of life you find yourself in, that is good to know that he loves you so much. For many of us as believers, we come to the Lord and we come with the baggage of our own earthly father into this uh, Christian relationship. For myself, you know, when I came to, to know the Lord, I, I didn't have a great father growing up. A lot of it wasn't his fault. You know, we, we kind of, we just live uh, with what we've been given. You know, it gets passed down, doesn't it? It's like these generational curses. You know, we're raised a certain way and what we just copy uh, the way that we're raised and, and it just goes on and on until somebody breaks that curse and somebody breaks that cycle. And it was kind of like that for me growing up with my father. He was very absent. And, and you know, so I came, to, I came to the Lord. I got saved. I received this love letter. And I'm like, this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. I've never experienced love like this. And Jesus became my love. He became my, my hero. He became everything I ever wanted. I, I met Jesus. I had a, a, a profound encounter. But when it came to the father, that was another issue altogether. You see, I knew Jesus, I talked to Jesus, I loved Jesus, I would pray to Jesus and only Jesus. But then I started reading my scriptures and I started going to church and I kept hearing about this word Father. And honestly, it made me very uncomfortable. Totally honest. That word made me very uncomfortable. And then you had the eccentric Christians who called him Daddy. And I was like, get, get these guys away from me. You know what I mean? I mean, father's already, I'm already struggling with father. And then you get the daddy ones. I'm like, okay, you know, I ain't doing this, man. The daddy and the papa and all that business. And I'm like, okay, can't handle that. So I'm in this kind of position and I'm like, this is kind of, every time people say father and daddy, all this kind of thing, it just grates on me. It's just rubbing, rubbing up, something's rubbing against me. Because it was jarring at me because I didn't know the father. I knew, I received the gift that he sent me but I didn't know the sender. And I had to go on a journey. To, I had to go through a process where the Lord showed me who he was as father. And it was beautiful. You know, I look back and it was a beautiful process. And maybe some of you guys are here this morning, you haven't been on that journey yet. But I'm hoping today can be the beginning of that journey for you. 
where today you can realize that you do have a savior and his name is Jesus. And he's the most beautiful love letter that heaven sent you. But also you have a father that sent him. And he loves you so much. And he wants to shift that, that view that you have, that mindset that you have of your earthly father. And he wants to say, you know, even if you had the best father on earth, it does not compare to your father in heaven. And for me, this began a, a great journey that I, I, I went on. And after about three months of being a believer, I went to London. I was uh, visiting the church in London with, with a friend. And we're there. And this lady comes over, as, uh, as often prophets do. And she's very excited and, and very urgent. She says, I have a word. I, I've got a word for you. And I'm like brand new to this whole thing. So she gives me this word. And, and the church gather around. I didn't know the church was just visiting. And she gives me this word. She says, the word... The word daddy, and I'm like, <laughs> she says, the word daddy is a word that has not been on your lips all your life. But in the near future, it is going to be a word that is going to be on your lips. Daddy. And I'm just like, get me out of here. Get me out of here. I just like ground swallow me up kind of moment. And I'm being honest. I'm being serious. You know, I, I had issues with my father. I didn't want to see God as a father. I couldn't see him as a father. I couldn't get past Jesus. So what happened? I go to China. Within, within months of receiving this word, I go and I smuggle Bibles through China. And we get there and we, we, we have a briefing before we go uh, to take the Bibles to China. And this is what they tell us. They say, okay, because this is illegal, what we need to do is everything's under the radar. Everything's stealth. You know, we have to like speak in code, yeah? So we can't call God, God, we got to call him daddy. I'm like, you got to be kidding me. So I'm thinking, I ain't doing it. Inside I'm thinking, I ain't doing that. I use another word. So they're like, we're going to call him daddy. So I'm surrounded by these uh, missionaries from all over the world who meet me in China. Uh, and I'm with them. I'm like sleeping in bunks with them. Daddy, 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 daddy. It's like, you know, as you can imagine, daddy, daddy, daddy. I mean, you didn't even have to be that cold like but they're just using it anyway. I'm like, come on, man. So anyway, this began the process of the daddy journey for me. And, uh, and it was an interesting process, but the Lord did win my heart. And he showed me that he is my father. And I stand here today knowing that I have a father in heaven who loves me. And even though my dad didn't do so good, and even though he's on a journey himself, I don't hold that against him because I know that I've got a father who makes up for any of that earthly love a father could have given me anyway. And that makes me happy. And that is good, huh? And the way that Jesus revealed himself to you as Savior, the Father can reveal himself as Father. He did it to me and he can do it to you. I know it for a fact. It got to a point in this journey and, you know, the Lord really made it clear to me. He was really trying to make it clear. I don't believe we can really know the fullness of the Godhead. We can't really be a, a believer in, 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 in our fullness if we don't know who the Father is. And, and the Holy Spirit too, which was another journey. I only met the Holy Spirit in 2014. He was always something I thought was for the eccentric Christians. Holy Spirit was the, you know, the side dish, you know. That's just, I didn't know who the Holy Spirit was. All I knew was Jesus. I go on the journey of the Father. I, I, I stand on a street in 2014 to be a full-time evangelist. And guess who I met? The Holy Spirit. And we became very, very close. And we still are. In my book dedication that comes out, I've dedicated the book to the Holy Spirit. 
which is interesting because in 2014, I didn't even know him. You see, if you allow yourself to give yourself to the Father and the Holy Spirit and not only Jesus, then he'll win your heart. They, they will all win your heart. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And it's a beautiful journey. So I came to a point where me and my wife, we, we, had, we were trying for a, another child. We had two girls and, and we had um, um, some miscarriages and it was just a very, very difficult season for us. And I'd had a word from the Lord, you see. And the word was this. God had said to me before this happened. Uh, I, I, when we had our first child, the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, I'm going to give you a son to show you the Father's love. So I had this word around the journey of the father journey. So we had uh, two girls and then we went for a third baby and then we began some serious problems and complications. So me and Jay were like, okay, we're not, we're not even going to try this thing anymore. It's, it's too traumatic. So we stopped. My, my neighbor came around. He was a, a very prophetic guy. Me and Jay were going and the family were going on a holiday, family holiday. The night before the family holiday, this guy knocks the door. He says, I want to pray for you before you go away. And he says, I have a word for you. He said, you're going to go on your holiday and you're going to conceive and you're going to have a son. And I'm like, okay, we don't really, you know, want to go there right now. But that's exactly what happened. And we had Elijah. And the Lord spoke to me and told me that he would show me through my son a father's love. And I really struggled. The whole pregnancy, I struggled. And even for those first few years, I've got to be honest, because I didn't know how to be a dad because I'd never seen a dad. And not only did I not know how to be a dad, I didn't know, especially know how to be a Christian dad. You see, I know my, my, my dad, he was in and out of my life. My father's family were criminals. My dad was a career criminal. And, you know, they've been in prison, my father's family, and, and they're kind of well known for violence and, and alcohol and womanizing. You know, so they're kind of known for all this stuff. So, so I knew how to, I knew about that. I knew how to put on the mask and not like the, the, the kind of guy with all the attitude and, uh, you know, and how to put on the front. I knew about that because I'd seen that modeled. But I didn't know how to be a godly father. I didn't know if you get in a, a situation of like a threatening situation, well, how do you handle that? You know, I, I just didn't know how to do. I was always thinking ahead. What if this happens? What if that happens? How do I handle that to my son as a father? And I didn't know. And I'm still learning. But the Lord began to show me a lot. And one of the breakthrough moments was this. My son Elijah, he got sick and he got caught in pneumonia a few years ago. And he was really sick and he's lying in hospital. And it was just like the worst thing ever. I mean, obviously we know, you know, our kids, you know, any of our kids, uh, sons, daughters, it's just that connection. But there was something about this because of the, the journey I'd been on as a father to a son. There was something that it was even more poignant. And my boy's lying in hospital. He's got all these masks on and to help him breathe, and it was really bad. And we're just lying there helpless. And we're like, what do we do, Lord? Help us. And then as he started getting a bit better, we had a lot of people praying, and he was healing up. He, he, I stayed overnight with him, and I just I remember holding him in the bed, sleeping in the bed with him that night in hospital. And I just felt for the first time in days, I just felt this feeling of everything is right with the world. That there's no place I want to be but here. This is the only place I want to be. And as I'm holding him, the father speaks to me. He says, Scott, that's how I feel when I'm with you. That's how I feel about you, the way you feel about Elijah right now. That when you're holding him, you feel this is all I want in life. That's how I feel about you, son. And then the Lord showed me this. He said that every human being, all of his kids... They're like Elijah. They're in hospital, sick. They're sick with sin. 
And you see what happens is they're in hospital and they're alone and they're longing for the father's embrace. And he's longing to give it. But because they don't have it, what happens is this gets hard. You see, every single kid, every single one of you and everybody watching, you're made for the embrace of a father because you have a sickness. It's called sin and it's killing you. And what sin does, what sickness does, it makes you vulnerable. When you're sick, you feel alone, you feel vulnerable, you feel sorry for yourself. And it's the same with sin, it makes you feel that way. And you need a father's embrace to heal you. But when we don't allow it, he doesn't force himself because love is a choice. So he, so he stays distant, just waiting to, to get us, waiting for permission. And then he comes and he holds us. And what happens is when our hearts get hard, then we get more broken. Jesus described that, you know, in Matthew, Jesus said that we are like sheep without a shepherd. We're just wondering. We're just looking for someone. The Holy Spirit spoke to me about the, the riots. Me and some friends, we're going to the chop zone on Monday. Pray for us, please. And we're going to take the gospel there. And the Holy Spirit showed me, said, they're just like sheep without a shepherd. That's all they are. Thousands of people just wandering around, following everybody, realizing they don't even know what they're doing. They don't know where they're going. And this is kind of what it's like to have no father. You're just like a sheep without a shepherd. But he wants to come and bring you home. He wants to bring you into his embrace. And the Lord began to reveal this to me and how all of us, if we would only allow his embrace, if you look at an orphan, you know what orphans do? Orphans, they don't cry. You see, they get to a point where they cry all their tears and then they just sit there and they rock. It's heartbreaking. My sister was an orphan in China in the dying rooms. So my mom rescued her when she was three years of age. She's now 24. And they sit there and they rock. Why? Because they're just so broken and they're so numb. You see what sin does and what a lack of a father's love will do is it will make you numb. And then you can go and do things you never thought you could do because you're so numb. In the scriptures we read this. In Galatians 4, 4 to 7, it says this. But when the set time, sorry, yeah, here we go. But when the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law that we, may, that we might receive adoption. Can you bring that up? Sorry, back again. That we might receive adoption to sonship. Come on. God wants to adopt you. Why? Because you're an orphan. You're a spiritual orphan without a father. You've not connected with your father yet and he wants to bring you back. That's Galatians 4, 4 to 7. Romans 8, 14 to 15 says this. Do we have that one? It's okay if we don't. I can read it to you guys. Okay, here we go. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. Come on. That's a good verse right there. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. And then lastly, Ephesians 1.5. He predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. That one's that good. We want to say it twice. He's predestined you. What that means is he knew about you. He knew how many hairs are going to be on your head. He knew where you were going to be born, where you were going to live, where you are going to die. He knew what you are going to have for Sunday lunch. He knows everything about you. 
He's fully acquainted with all your ways. But he also knows that without a father's embrace, you're going to be numb. And he wants to breathe his life back into you. How can you call him daddy if you still feel like an orphan? If you don't realize that he's adopted you and he's wanting to adopt you as his son or his daughter, you'll always feel like an orphan. You'll never be a son or never be a daughter until you allow him to embrace you. just want to share one more story with you guys and the word Abba you guys know the word Abba the Aramaic term Abba is a word for father for daddy for papa all those things I never used to like Abba encapsulates that uh, all of that the father daddy papa the whole thing that word Abba it encapsulates it now I wasn't aware that people still use that term Abba um, it, was a, it was actually a word that was used even in the early New Testament. They used it not in a, in a way of endearment even. It was just a, a, an everyday family term that they would, like my kids would call me dad, Abba. And I wasn't aware of this and, and it's a real beautiful thing. And I was on my journey again as a father and me, Jay and the kids uh, went to Israel. And while we were there, my daughter got sick and it was a very, very a difficult time. But I was there in this moment and the Lord again wanted to show me that he was my Abba and I was there laying on a sun lounger one, one afternoon and just chilling out reading the book and I heard this kid I heard him say Abba and my ears just pricked up because again I didn't know the only way I'd ever heard that word was in the scriptures I'm like do, do they actually people use that word so I looked over and there's this kid he's maybe five or six and he's in the swimming pool right in front of me and he's wading his way through the swimming pool and he gets to like the deepest part of the pool and he, he doesn't think that he can make it across. So he calls out to his Abba, who sat in the sun lounger close to me with his friend chatting, talking. And he says, Abba. And the dad doesn't say anything. And I'm like, wow, that's beautiful. Like to hear that word. And the journey I'd been on, it was even more poignant. I'm like, to hear that word in, in, in context of a son to his father. And I'm, I'm seeing the whole thing playing out. I'm like, that's beautiful. And then he says it again, Abba. I'm like, man, it's poetic. He says it again, Abba. I'm like, it's biblical. Abba, it's beautiful. And then he keeps going. Now we know kids, if the Abba don't answer, kids just keep asking, yeah? So what, what began is this like beautiful, like poetic, heavenly moment where I'm just like, you know, angels are just flapping their wings, playing harps by the side of me. You know, it's just like this beautiful moment turns into this carcophonous drowning out tin because the guy the kid he just keeps calling Abba 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 and I'm like he just goes on for minutes now it began to really grate against me like like the early days before before this journey with Abba began I'm just like feeling really annoyed I'm like will you be quiet kid and he keeps going on and on and on now I'm looking at the Abba and I'm thinking of getting up and like grabbing Abba I'm like, Abba, will you sort your kid out, man? Do you know what I mean? Because this is like, this is not really appropriate. So I'm like, what are you doing? What are you doing? And the kid's just looking at Abba. And then what happened is this. His Abba just turns around. He just gives one look to his kid and, he's got, and he says something and he moves his hand. You see, it wasn't that his Abba wasn't paying attention. What it was, it, it was he knew that his kid could make it through the deepest part of the pool. And he was observing and watching and monitoring the whole thing out of the corner of his eye. 
Abba, I need you right now. Abba, I've just lost my job. Are you even there? Do you even hear me? Abba, do you even care about this diagnosis? Do you even care my wife just left me? My husband just left me. Do you even care what they're saying about me? Abba, are you even listening? And all the while Abba's there, I've got it, son. I've got this. You can do it. You can do this. Just keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. Because I'm watching you. And I want to tell you here today that your Abba has got you. Wherever you find yourself, maybe the deepest part of the pool, but he's watching you. Right here, right now, he's watching you and he's saying, I love you. I've got you. Just keep going. Just keep going. Just keep going. No matter how hard it is, I'm going to watch every step. And I don't even need to be close to the pool. That's how much, that's how in control I am. Just like Jesus sleeping in the boat. He's like, I've got this. I own the pool. I hold the pool in my hand. Keep going. He loves you so much. And I want to ask you today. I want to ask you that you'd respond to the Father's touch. Maybe you're like I was. Maybe you're, you're cool with Jesus. Maybe you and Jesus have a, have a close relationship. But you don't know the Father. So I'd encourage you to open your heart and to allow him to minister to you. Holy Spirit, we just invite you here this morning. Lord, we ask you that you would reveal the depths of a father's love. Father, I ask you to make yourself real in this place. I ask you to make yourself known in this place. I wasn't going to say this, but the Holy Spirit just brought this to me, and I'm glad because it's very beautiful. You see, a father's love It's constant. It doesn't change. It doesn't give up. It remains the same. When I backslid and I walked away from the Lord and I I fell back into addiction and my whole life ended up in the gutter. I was in a nightclub in Belfast at early hours of the morning. And I was with a guy that I met. And he, he went and talked to someone. I'm stood there with my drink. And my life is in a mess. I was back in the gutter where Jesus first found me, except now I had a lot more that I'd lost. And as I stood there in a backslidden, broken state, homeless, jobless, lost my family, everything, just drinking and partying all the time, I stood there in this nightclub in Belfast and I heard a word. And that word said, Scott. And it was as if somebody hit me in the stomach. It physically moved me back. And this is what, this is the revelation I had. This is the Father speaking to you. Now, I'd heard Jesus speak to me many times. I heard the audible voice of God two weeks after getting saved. I heard God speak to me, but it was Jesus. But for the first time in my life, as a backslidden Christian who'd thrown everything away, my marriage, my family, I threw it all away. In that nightclub in Belfast, living a life that was so, so shameful, the Father comes to me and says, Scott, isn't that incredible? Like we're not talking about a father who loves you on your good days here. We're not talking about a a God who's like, yeah, okay, on your best days, I'm your biggest fan. 
No, I'm talking about a God who when you're steeped in sin, when you're so far removed from Him, when you're doing everything that's contrary to His law and everything that's contrary to His heart, He stands there in the middle of your sin, in the thick of your mess, and He says, Scott, He says, John, He says, Sonny, Joel, Mason, He calls you by your name. He says, you belong to me. Come home, son. Come home. I don't care what you've done. It doesn't matter how bad it got, but I'm going to throw the biggest party for you. And we're going to celebrate. And we're going to put an identity ring on your finger. We're going to put a cloak on you. And we're going to restore you. I found out that my best friend who's, who lives in South Africa who discipled me, around the time I heard the audible voice of God, he turns out he was having a night visual for me, praying. No coincidence, huh? When I came back to the Lord, I, this guy said, you can stay with me for one week. And I went to his home and he gave me brand new bed sheets. He gave me shoes because I had no shoes to go for job interviews. He gave me designer shoes, designer bed sheets. He just lavished all this stuff on me and I sat on the bed and the father went, welcome home, son. I want to tell you this. There is no father, there is no distance. There, there isn't too far that you can go that he can't come and get you. I promise you because I've been there. So Holy Spirit, I just ask you right now, Lord, that you'd rest upon every single individual. And if you're in this room, I want to ask you this. If you don't know Jesus and you don't know the Father and you don't know the Holy Spirit, if you have not been marked by the love of a father, first off in the, t in the way of salvation, if you close your eyes on earth tonight and you don't know you're going to heaven, 100% guarantee, and you want to receive his love, then I want to ask you to come up. If, you, if you've never received his love and you want Jesus right now and you want the Father and the Holy Spirit, come on up. Come and make a stand, make a brave stand. If you're here and you've walked the path with the Lord but you've drifted off like I just shared, you've gone off, maybe you haven't gone into sin to that degree but you've gone away from God, you're not following him, your heart's turned. If you're living that way and you want to come back, then I want to invite you up. Just be bold. Take a stand. If you've wandered off the path, then he's here today and he's saying, I'm coming for you and I want to bring you back. So just come, just respond. Just come and kneel before the Lord if you feel that way. Come forward. Take a step. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, if you're here and you don't know what it feels like to be loved by a father, maybe you had the same problems as me. Maybe you had an earthly father that didn't represent father well. But you're here today and you want to say, I want to meet you. I want to meet the father. Then I'll ask you to be bold and I'll ask you to come to the front and we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for the disappointments from your earthly father. We're going to pray away the things that hurt you through your earthly father. And we're going to pray that you could have a fresh perspective and meet the father who loves you, the one who gave his only son. So if that's you, come forward. We're going to pray and the father's going to minister to you and he's going to show you how much he loves you. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, draw them out, Lord. Draw them out to you, those who need the touch of a father right now in this moment. I'd encourage you guys to be bold, to uh, take this moment, to accept this moment. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. We praise you. Father, we just ask you that you would reveal the depths of your love in this moment, Lord. I pray that you would rest upon every individual here. Lord, I ask you that you would show yourself as their Abba. 
Lord, you would show them that you are their Abba. You are the one who loved them so much that you gave your only son to win them. That is how much uh, you love them. That is how valuable they are to you, that you would give your uh, only son, the thing that is most precious to you, you'd give him up to win them. Lord, I ask you that you'd heal them of all the, the hurts and the pain from their earthly father. Would you bring healing to their hearts right now in Jesus' name? Lord, pour your love upon them in this moment. Abba, we thank you that we can call you Abba. We thank you that you're a father, that you're a daddy, you're a papa who is so close and so personal. Thank you for your love to us, Lord. We praise you, we love you, we exalt you. Thank you, Jesus.